Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up. And I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. This is the first guest appearance today. So the first episode with a guest, and I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to Krista Hoppla. Krista Hoppla is a sexologist and a consciousness guide, and I am so fortunate to say that she's my own personal sexologist. I didn't think I would ever know to go to a sexologist, (laughs) and I'm so glad I did because as I continue my journey towards bringing more pleasure into my life, Mm -hmm. even if I value it so much now, I needed a, a little bit of extra support and guidance to lead me on that journey. And Krista was a beautiful source of support. And I worked with her for several weeks and I gained so much from it uh, personally, uh, professionally, energetically, emotionally, physically, all the all the uh, aspects of, of pleasure. And I just wanted to allow you to be the first guest. And of course, you're the sponsor of Let Pleasure Be the Measure, because um, I just believe that strongly in the work that you do and in the quality of work and value that you bring. So thank you for being here, Krista Hoppala. Thanks, Pasha. It really is an honor. And uh, it was, uh, it's a privilege to work with you in any way, shape or form that we're having conversations about pleasure. So I'm really excited to be on your show. I'm very excited about your show. Um, the more people putting information about pleasure and supporting each other in a pleasure mindset, the better. Absolutely. And, you know, I hesitated a little bit on whether or not I should call a podcast anything to do with pleasure because it automatically puts me in a category of people supposedly only talking about sex. and. <laughs> even though you're a sexologist, what I really appreciated about your work with the pleasure principles is that sex and physical touch was just one, one aspect of pleasure. And I, mm-hmm. and I just truly believe that there's so many different ways to, to access it. And so mm-hmm. I will start with the question, what do you, or how do you define pleasure? Sure. It's such a great question. And I agree with you, Pasha. It's interesting how when we think of pleasure, we often think of either, you know, sexual or erotic pleasure or more superficial pleasure. Like I'm going to sit down and just gobble up this ice cream sundae. And all of those things are pleasure. And frankly, given the work that I do, I find sex, sex, sexuality and erotic pleasure to be our life force, an important part of pleasure that needs to be elevated in our culture because our culture is so sex negative. But the work that I do with pleasure principles and, you know, in sharing the pleasure mindset and encouraging people to um, attune themselves to a pleasure mindset is really that pleasure is holistic. Pleasure really is about the fundamental life force, the fuel that we use in our day to day to move through 
challenging times. So for me, pleasure can, you know, some practical examples, some very basic ways to enjoy pleasure is to simply pause and breathe Mm -hmm. and just notice that you're dancing with the universe. You're breathing Mm -hmm. in and breathing out right there. And then it takes you may have heard me say this before, you know, pleasure, um, presence and consistency. So that idea of being present with the pleasure and consistent with these small mindful practices throughout your day mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. It's not always taking a seven day vacation to somewhere sunny and warm with your beloved or your right. family. It's sometimes just a pause to breathe or that delicious drink of water or the view out your window, watching the squirrels play, which when we tune in and are present and we're consistent with that throughout our day, throughout our week, we find there's more expansiveness there than we had before. Definitely. And it's such an important thing to understand right now when people are feeling deprived of their Mm -hmm. pleasure, the things that we thought would bring us pleasure, like the travel and the going out to eat or going out to theater without those, we said, well, what could possibly bring us pleasure? Right. And so I love that you're sneaking it in to the mm-hmm. simple and the mundane, uh, yep. seemingly mundane and simple tasks throughout the right. day. Yeah. Right. I, love that. Right. I love that. And then it makes right. it accessible. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's an important notice to bring up and thank you for bringing that up, Pasha, that, you know, we are living in a time right now um, in mm. January, 2021, where we've been in for a pretty long, um, unprecedented life experience for all of us. And I would offer that oftentimes when things, whether it's in our personal life or it's in the world, things feel really heavy that we often step away from pleasure as even an option. We don't give ourselves permission that, well, I can't do this while my partner's not well, or I can't do this while my family is struggling financially. And what I would offer is, again, back to that presence and consistency, it doesn't take money always, it doesn't take anything but shifting your mindset into, I can tune into these experiences that will fuel me and sustain me, and then step forward into, you know, whatever my life happens to be at that time. And if we don't give ourselves permission for pleasure, even in the darkest times, then we do feel ourselves grinding to a halt. We feel yeah. ourselves, you know, I'll hear clients say, you know, I'm really stuck, or I feel like I'm, I'm in this dark hole or I'm in this dark place. And sometimes it takes a little, a little, um, I don't want to call it convincing, but a little, mm. uh, you know, mind opening to say, gosh, the pleasure you deserve, you deserve regardless of what's going on in your life. Yes. And this resonates so much because part of the work that I did with you was how can I access pleasure um, when my child is sick? And if somebody in your family that you, that you love is suffering, how could you possibly focus on pleasure or find pleasure? And what I loved about what you said just now about fuel reminded me of the analogy that you gave me about the Mm. simple analogy, just the fuel tank of the car and how I wouldn't allow the fuel tank in the car to go to empty to get mm-hmm. me to where I need to go. Right. And likewise, I needed to continue to refuel myself so that I would have yeah. the energy to go back and care for my kiddo. And mm-hmm. so it, it all of a sudden didn't feel at all 
selfish or shallow right. or all the limiting beliefs that I had put in my head sure. about accessing pleasure. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think that's a, a message. If there's one message that people can take from this is that it is our, like you said, our birthright, but also mm-hmm. can be, and should be, we would argue even more important to access pleasure on the darker days sure. when, we, when we need to, um, refuel. Absolutely. And, you know, Pasha, you said it beautifully. I mean, devotion to self is actually service. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, when we notice that devotion to self, and especially, you know, if you're, if you're a parent, if you're a mom, you know, if you're the heart of a family, you do need to pump blood to yourself first. And the, that idea of being a caretaker someone who just does the doing versus a nurturer, someone who first nurtures self and then yes. goes into nurturing of others, that in and of itself is pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is an element here, you know, you asked at the beginning what what I consider pleasure. I feel like there is, because there is, there's a devaluing of pleasure, except for the crazy wild pleasure in our culture, um, there's this, you know, just work gritted out until you get to the end and you cross the finish line and then you get a little bit of pleasure because you earned it. Right. Um, you know, that, that model just doesn't actually it doesn't add up the, you know, Mm -hmm. emotional physics don't work out. You can't (laughs) drive the car until it stops and then get out and walk and then get out and crawl. I mean, we're not going to get there any faster. And so, you know, really giving ourselves permission to notice that that permission is, or um, sorry, pleasure isn't earned. That Mm -hmm. permission doesn't necessarily need to be granted, but if we need to do that for ourselves, grant ourselves permission to take those moments throughout your day. Yes. I love that. And that, and then you reminded me just now of what you referred to, I believe is a paradox. I talk about paradoxes mm-hmm. a lot, but this okay. pain and pleasure paradox and the paradox of, of having a, a no good, terrible day, and then also accessing yeah. pleasure in it. But do you feel like without the pain, we can't feel the pleasure and vice versa? Do you feel like we need both? We need to carry mm-hmm. both? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And yeah, I go to that space, Pasha, that of course. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is, is mm. the, you know, is pain is, is exquisite and it shapes us. It creates who we are mm. just as the pleasure can. Um, you know, we're, we're used to harnessing pain in some ways, whether we take it to, you know, some folks might take, take it to a victim place. And I would invite people to step back away from that and, and receive those painful experiences from an empowered place. Mm-hmm. of, you know, look at the strengths I have, look at the assets that I have gained, the resilience I've gained through coping th- through whether, again, it's a world experience or a very deeply personal experience that maybe some other people have no idea what's going on. It doesn't have to be a relational experience. It can be a very self, self-centered, capital S self, self-centered experience to say, wow, I just noticed how strong I am getting through these painful experiences or enduring these painful experiences over time. And, and so then the pleasure itself becomes more exquisite in that way. And, and, you know, again, that owning our power in those painful resilience building experiences Mm. gives us the opportunity to own our power in the pleasure. 
to choose it. If you want that Sunday, you know what? Get the big one with the, the <laughs> banana and three cherries and it. eat it and, you know, and know that that's what you chose yes. because that's exactly what you've tuned in to feel like you needed. Now, you may need or want something else in that moment. And, you know, again, give yourself that permission. And again, mm-hmm. even if it's just to close your door, mm-hmm. breathe and listen mm-hmm. to some quiet music that, I mean, it's all pleasure. And so I would offer, you know, that's a, that's such a beautiful juxtaposition, Pasha is, you know, we do experience the pain of life in this, in this human school, this earth school, we, we deserve that pleasure because it's the balance. It's that yes. universal balance. And it's interesting. It would be an interesting conversation to have in future podcasts about what the catalyst to our pleasure was. Um, and I think my catalyst was facing my son's death. Like sure. that was the catalyst to find my pleasure. Right. It's fascinating. It makes complete sense to me mm-hmm. um, how that happened, but it's, it's not how I thought it would, it would right. happen. You know, I thought, oh, everything needs to be um, a little bit less messy for me to right. access pleasure, but then you get into these moments, these catalyst moments where there is a trauma or a tragedy or just a aha, you know, enlightenment moment where all that matters seemingly is that life is about love yeah. and pleasure and connection mm-hmm. and laughter. And it just brought me back to the basics. It was, yeah. it was a really fascinating journey. And you call yourself a passion catalyst. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. what does that mean? It sounds so sexy. <laughs> you know, honestly, Pasha, I, I love saying passion catalyst because it really, it speaks to what I feel is my role when I'm working with clients is, you know, it's not about me. You are the expert in your life. Every single one of us is the expert in our own life. And sometimes we can feel like we're stumbling around in the dark. Like I don't feel like an expert at all right now. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit. And what I offer to clients is the time to invest in self, pause, slow down, and really learn how to tune in. So that idea of being the catalyst is more about, hey, let's sit together have some space together where I can hold that space and you can feel held to actually tune in. A lot of, a lot of my clients I hear from, especially um, cis women coming in who are in this space of, um, you know, deep in the family situation, like living life, like doing the mom thing, maybe working outside the home, like whatever's going on, there's just a lot going on. And when that happens, that they, I ask the question, what is your pleasure? What do you want? There's often not even an answer. And, you know, again, this applies to all genders. Every human being can be distracted from their pleasure. And yet at the same time, this particular demographic I find has has the hardest time in my experience, in my practice, slowing down to tune in. So I ask the question and there's not even an answer and there's no judgment there. No, there's just it's in there somewhere. And so that's why I say passion catalyst, because I really feel as though it's giving that permission and also giving that space and providing that space mm-hmm. to, to give that, that person time to align with their own passion to yes. notice what it is within them, because it's not, it's not my practices that will necessarily get you where you want to go. It's your practices. Right. And so it's all about self-discovery. It's all about self-exploration and really being the experiment. So 
I feel ultimately that that's a big part of my role is to allow for that space and allow for that magic to happen and Mm -hmm. have a client come back to the next session and say, you know what I really want to do? <laughs> you I know, I want to, I want to learn how to hula hoop or I want, you know, something really like wacky. And that's like one of my favorite things because I know it's uniquely theirs and it's yes. such a beautiful, um, there's just so much joy that comes out of knowing what your pleasure is. Just even knowing what your pleasure is, not even doing the pleasure yet. <laughs> just saying it out loud. Exactly. And right. my, my clients tell me the same thing. The hardest question I ask is what do you like to do for fun? Now, most of my clients are moms who are almost empty nesting or have just empty nested. And the identity was so much wrapped up in motherhood that it's hard to, it's like, well, my kids like to do soccer. So I must like to do soccer. My kids like this kind of movie. I must like star Wars too, or whatever it is. And so to ask, what do you really want? And I love, and this is of course, pre COVID, it was easier, but I love suggesting that people get Mm -hmm. away from their home, even if it is one day or a few hours, Mm -hmm. if you can muster it, but an entire weekend, just step away from the routines and start to access pleasure. What am I eating when nobody else needs me to cook them? What am I wearing when nobody else is around? What am I choosing for myself? And it's always so fascinating, but when you said it, it lights you up to hear women come back and say what their pleasure is. I have that same experience um, with my clients and it's always something creative. It's always some Mm -hmm. sort of creative outlet, whether it's Mm -hmm. gardening or journaling or painting or music. And I love that that creativity is always wrapped up in pleasure. It seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's really dynamic. I love Uh it. This podcast is sponsored by Krista Hoppala, sexologist and consciousness guide. I am proud to say that Krista is my own personal sexologist, the woman I turn to when I need to refresh my own pleasure practices. I highly recommend her to my clients and friends. Her website is kristahoppala.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-H-A-A-P-A-L-A.com. Lots of A's, or as I say, lots of ahs. It's all pleasure with this woman. Check her out. Now, you are a sexologist and all of yes, my ma'am. friends and community are going to be like, seriously, you got through that whole conversation about pleasure with a sexologist <laughs> and you didn't you talk about sex? What good are you? And right. I remember you telling me once that truth telling about sex and sexuality is a revolutionary act, mm-hmm. um, which felt very empowering to me because I've been talking Good. a lot about sexuality lately, but yeah. What would you say to people, I'll say like me, who don't Mm -hmm. currently have an active sex life, but still want to bring pleasure and sensuality into their life? Right, right. Well, that is such a beautiful question. I am always very excited to answer that. So the first piece I would offer is, you know, really noticing the fact that sex, sexuality and erotic energy tend to be in our culture disintegrated from self. I always say it's the it's the swanky black suit or the little black dress in the in the back corner of the the um <laughs> oh, you, you know you 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 know shake the dust off it and you wear it once every three months and you know it's pretty great um when you do it but you know not great enough to want to do it again and whatever. And so you know and that can apply to any practice of tuning into your erotic energy. And what I would offer is 
the more integrated your erotic energy is with your day-to-day, just like your pleasure, it is a facet of pleasure. Um, The more integrated it is, the more it becomes indispensable it's mm. it's your fire it's your it is your your root and second second chakra life force mm-hmm. and one of my mentors who I was so deeply grateful to train with um, Betty Dodson who is a sexologist from way back a classically trained artist um, she passed away this past year at 91 on Halloween um, and just such such a glorious spirit and mm. Her whole premise um, is this concept of body sex, the idea of regular, um, just what I, the term I use is self-worship. And Mm -hmm. that can include everything from just a lovely bath or a shower and just really taking in and absorbing the glory of your body all the way to, you know, the, the proverbial swinging from the chandeliers with a partner or not. Um, (laughs) And so going to that place without shame without judgment of self, without shoulds, without um, any sort of external pressures around what your sex sexuality and erotic energy should or needs to look like. And for a lot of people, we have a lot of um, sexually or sex negative and oppressive messages that we receive throughout our whole lives. Not all of us, but I would offer most of us, especially in the United States. And it takes... Uh, the practice of unlearning what I offer is, you know, a sexual ethic that was handed over to you, you know, grandma told you to keep your knees together, or, (laughs) you know, you went to church and you knew that you were, you know, not destined for where everybody wanted to end up because you were choosing to be sexual instead. And, you know, what I would offer is we all have to make our own peace with what that looks like. And yet at the same time, sex, sexuality, and erotic energy is our lifeblood. It is fundamentally, you know, sex exists. We exist because sex exists. And so Mm -hmm. how can something that creates us be something we have to spend the rest of our human lives avoiding because of shoulds? And so what I would offer about that, Pasha, is really, again, it's that tuning in process. It's that noticing you know, way back in the day, it was Masters and Johnson talking about sensate focus. Sensate focus is just mindful touch, mindful noticing how my body feels when I touch it, or even when I just think about my arm or my hands, just tuning into those sensations and that sensuality. And so what I'd offer is it can look like any way you want it to look. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, the question I get most often is, is this normal? And I say, you know, does it bring you pleasure? Is it adult consensual behavior? Have at it. Um, So lastly, to sort of wrap that up in a bow is, you know, I really do fundamentally feel that we are at a particular time in our culture where people are getting fatigued from Mm. the sex negativity. People, Mm -hmm. People want their pleasure. They want to reintegrate that, that beautiful part of themselves, whether it's, you know, again, I always say start with self, capital S centered self, but then also, you know, if partners are in the picture, great, but frankly, it's, it's a relationship with self first, self-worship is where it's at. I agree. Yes. (laughs) And so many of my clients are menopausal women who feel, um, 
the, the script is, you know, our bodies are betraying us and they feel right. alien and too dry and too puppy, right. all the things. And right. so the idea of self-worship is really becomes you know, this heroic self-love yeah. practice where we need to still em- embrace and caress ourselves and find yeah. and find things about ourselves that we um, find pleasurable, but also mm-hmm. that we can appreciate. And, and to talk to people, one of the things I want to make sure to get out in this podcast is there's people like you who are sexologists. There's going to be a sex therapist, a sex counselor, and all those are different things. Who knew? Right. And OBGYNs coming on. And, and people right. are there to have the conversations with. So these these right. don't have to be secrets and um, no. shameful thoughts that we hold inside. And right. so I, I just hope to, through this, create a community where people can feel very comfortable reaching out to, to you, to me, to the other speakers and, um, and start to really talk and ask those questions and get that sense of, um, b- belonging and yeah. that we're not, that we're not alone in this and that, um, whether it's normal or not, it's, it's true for them and mm-hmm. pleasurable for them. Like you said, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. you said something about where our culture is going to this place where we're not wanting to stay within the constructs right. of, um, what we were taught. And I think the last time we talked, we were talking about like, what's the next frontier in sexuality. And you had talked a lot about polyamory and that comes Mm -hmm. up in my conversations a lot because a lot of my clients are women who are questioning and curious in heterosexual Mm -hmm. marriages who are not sure whether they're identifying as, um, as bisexual or pansexual, and they don't really care what the, what the identity name is. It's just, they're like, this. I'm not, I'm not completely fulfilled uh, Mm -hmm. sexually. And so when polyamory comes up, there's still this um, sense of that's not ethical um, or clean or safe, especially now with COVID. Mm -hmm. So how do you have those conversations um, with yourself and others about that, about polyamory being, being a option, a safe pleasant option. <laughs> sure, sure. So what I would offer Pasha is that, you know, as I referenced earlier about those, you know, grandma telling you to keep your knees together and all those things that when we develop our own proactive sexual ethic, we ultimately decide for ourselves what it is that we want from relationships and how we choose to relate. So I work with folks often on the concept of relationship design. Um, and so ultimately, whether you are choosing to partner moving forward or are already partnered and are reinventing your partnership, um, you know, this idea of, you know, and I'll just go down the list, polyamory, open relationships, mm-hmm. um, ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy. There's a lot of different phrases for multi-partnering is ultimately how I share it. Okay. And multi-partnering is, the, is not um, indiscretion or infidelity. Multi-partnering is Everyone is aware of all partners and what that looks like. And ultimately, what I'm finding in my practice as I'm working with folks who are younger Mm. um, is, you know, they don't have time and space to get in the boxes that we've, you know, created for them. Interesting. (laughs) I love that They're just like, yeah, they're just like, you know what, we're doing it our own way because we just don't find value in the way that you know, traditional marriage looks and feels for us, you know, and, and, and I go to that space then of that type of being the experiment, that type of curiosity Mm -hmm. on the part of younger clients. I mean, it's been there all the way along. It's just a matter of 
how out are we with that kind of relating? And what I would offer is, you know, it's it's happening all around and there are lots and lots of people choosing to partner in whatever the way they choose. Fundamentally, the more honest and direct you can be with your partner or partners, the better, no matter what your relationship structure is. But I would sure. offer at this point that those who are finding traditional marriage or um, you know, coerced monogamy, if you will, um, because the culture says this is what your mm, family mm-hmm. needs to look like or your partnership needs to look like, that they're finding that those barriers or those those particular boxes, if you will, just don't suit them anymore. Right. And so they're just making very quiet changes to what their relationships look like. And frankly, it's 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 that age old question, like whose business is it? kind of question. Mm-hmm. And what I would offer is like, you know, it's ultimately your life. So you do you and same with your partner. It does come, however, with a, an unlearning and a relearning of different kinds of relationship dynamics. And a big part of my practice is working with folks who are in um, multi-partnering or alternative partnerships or our LGBTQIA mm-hmm. plus all of the, all of the above. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, those, those people who've lived outside of the boxes anyway, tend to, again, feel like there's not a whole lot of value in climbing into this particular structure when it's not working for so many people anyway. And so ultimately I think there's this, there's just this new awareness. There's Mm -hmm. this new awareness of we can relate and have a relationship design that allows for freedom, that Mm. works for everyone, that Mm. everyone feels valued. And, you know, love is infinite. And we can love more than we can love our friends, we can love our children, we can choose to romantically love more than one person. Um, And sometimes it's not a choice. And even folks in monogamous relationships, perhaps have experienced that and just not have not had a solution. That's not to say monogamy is bad. That's not to say monogamy doesn't suit some people. It's, it's ultimately to say that monogamy doesn't necessarily suit everyone. And there's a lot of permission granting and shifting happening around relationship design over the last, I would offer um, 10 years, but particularly the last um, five years that I've seen Mm -hmm. in my practice. Mm -hmm. Good, good. I'm so glad. I, and I love that word relationship design. I haven't heard that before, but just mm-hmm. having options is so important. And in the book that I wrote that's coming out in a couple of weeks, it's 20 different women and 20 different options Sure, See, that all started seemingly from the same place of I'm in a heteronormative relationship and I think I need more, want more. Yeah. And then 20 different ways to go from there. Right. So um, I just think it's a, a beautiful, um, a beautiful opening to so mm-hmm. many different conversations. And I'm so glad that, that you're out there offering that support yeah. for Absolutely. people. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Really fortunate to have that opportunity to get to talk to you and work with you. Anybody would be um, thrilled to work with you. How oh, can... You any of our listeners get a hold of you? What's the easiest way to reach you? Sure. So my website is my name, kristahopala.com. It's um, K-R-I-S-T-A-H-A-A-P-A-L-A. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, my professional page is at Krista Writes, Krista.Writes, um, okay. meaning like writes books. 
and yes. also on Instagram, which is one of my favorite spots to in- interact with folks. So that's also at Krista.writes. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And also your information is up on the podcast site awesome. as our sponsor. So yeah, yeah. in a conclusion, a final question on those really difficult days, the darker days, stressful days, how do you still sprinkle you? How do you sprinkle pleasure into those days? Oh, that's a great question. For me, it's very much remembering to stay in the now, Mm -hmm. um, to be here now, to even when something is really challenging and, and, you know, having been through some really challenging life experiences, like going to that place of like, uh, it's right now I can tune in and I can tune into the peace in my body. And I usually do that through breath, Pasha. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I also will just take a moment. I have, um, I love to read. I love to write and I'm a huge gatherer of quotations. And Mm -hmm. so I will also just peruse my, I I keep a small journal with me on a regular basis, like always in my bag and on a regular basis. If something grabs me. Um, I love word art and I will just jot down whatever that quotation is. And I'll just kind of peruse that. And often something will strike exactly that mood right in that moment. And so sometimes it takes getting outside of ourselves too. Breath is beautiful, but if we're spinning and spinning and spinning, sometimes it takes a little bit of outside help. Yes. And I, I access that help via um, words from people throughout history who've really um, shaped my life. So that's my practice. Beautiful. Thank you. I love that. I can't wait to hear all the different options of people's practices. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Krista, for being here today. So appreciate it. Our very first guest, everybody. This is a great big day in the life of (laughs) Pasha and Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I love it. Of course, if anybody wants to reach me, you can email me at Pasha at PashaMarlo.com and easy enough, a website, PashaMarlo.com. So we we keep it really easy. Um, so good to talk with you, Krista. And thank you everybody for listening and being here. And we will see you next week again for more talk about pleasure. Let pleasure Love be it. the measure. <laughs>